Cochran. He's going to do a series uh, called The New Testament Tour. How are you? That's good. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord, that, uh, that you are present to save, Lord, that our lives are always in your hand. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, we can have confidence that you know where each one of us is at physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, I do pray that each and every one of us has experienced you this morning in a, in, in, a, in a real way, in a tangible way. God, our prayer is that this place, this community would be a, uh, just a space where people can imp- encounter you and be transformed. Lord, whether it's through worship or prayer or the teaching, Lord, that we invite you to come and and to change our lives. We submit ourselves to you. And Lord, just bless this teaching as we uh, look at your word, open our hearts and minds to receive and be, be transformed as we behold you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, uh, really the purpose of the, the uh, series that we've been going through uh, and Graham started uh, about a month ago is the Bible in the life of the believer. Uh, that's been kind of like the overarching goal. Is, and my heart was to to just kind of draw forth uh, uh, how significant the Scripture is in the life of the believer. And as Graham and I got together to discuss how to do that, you know, just going through an overview uh, seem to be a, a, a really good step. Most Christians acknowledge that the Bible is important, okay, and at least theoretically, base their life upon it. <laughs> All right, but the average Christian or the normal Christian uh, that I come across, of course, no one here in this church, <clears throat> but most folks are are pretty uh, limited in their understanding of the Bible and of Scripture. And a lot of people, you know, know a little bit little here and there, uh, but have never studied it in depth or have a really good grasp of it. You know, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and Timothy uh, was a letter by Paul <coughs> written to a, a pastor. His name was Timothy. Uh, and, it's, and Paul writes and says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, bless you, thoroughly equipped. How many want to be complete? How many want to be half finished? How many want to be just started? We want to be complete. We want to be whole. We want to be mature. We want to be brought to our fullness. Well, the Bible teaches, Scripture teaches, Paul exhorts here, that what makes us complete is Scripture. Scripture is given for the purpose uh, that each and every one of us is, uh, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So whatever needs to be done, you can get it, what you need to get that done through this Scripture. And so it's absolutely, absolutely important um, and uh, uh, crucial. Um, last month we went through the Old Testament. Uh, I think I thought uh, Graham did a, a great job. We want to continue that uh, by looking at the New Testament. Uh, last week, or, or last week, we looked at Easter. It was Easter, and we saw how the cross 
Jesus coming and dying on the cross was really the intersection, not only between the Old Testament and the story of God's work through the nation of Israel and the New Testament, but also really the hinging point, I believe, of all of human history and all history of the universe itself. And so we're going to continue on that flow, having looked through the Old Testament, come to Christ and Easter and the cross, and continue to look through the New Testament. There's a few things that I'd like to kind of touch on before we get into some of the details. And actually, this is one of the hardest sermons I've ever prepared. <laughs> I went so much time. Because there's so much... You know, I'm like, what do I actually want to talk to? What do we want to limit it down to? And, and basically, I just kind of want to give up some basic ideas of how to understand the New Testament. And we're going to look a little bit at some of the historical facts about the Gospels uh, today. Um, you know, one thing that's really important is that uh, all of the Scripture, all of the parts, okay, um, must fit into the whole. This is how I wrote it. Maybe this makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't. And the whole must contain all of the parts. Okay? <clears throat> In other words, all of your parts of something has to fit into the whole. And, and, and the whole, you ha- In order to be complete, you have to have every part. Every part's got to be at place, and you have to contain everything. Otherwise, you're missing something. You know, if you have a car and it's missing a few parts... And maybe it'll still run, but at a certain point it stops running. Okay? <clears throat> Same thing with our understanding of God, our understanding of Scripture, or even our, 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 how we relate to Scripture. Okay? Most um, uh, Christians uh, uh, understand that you can't pick and choose parts of the Bible. Right? Okay? I mean, we understand there's not certain parts that, well, we don't agree with that, so, so we'll just discount that. And this part we like, so we'll, we'll favor that a little more. We understand, you know, that's not, that's not legitimate. But if um, in reality, uh, because we have a limited understanding of Scripture, this is functionally what we're doing. Does that make sense? In other words, if you don't have a good functional understanding, if you don't understand Scripture in a wholesome way and then use uh, a Scripture in the, in the appropriate way, Ultimately, what you're doing is picking and choosing scriptures. You might not say that's what you're doing, but if you ignore whole books of the Bible or whole uh, topics uh, that are covered in the Bible, or there's three verses that speak on a particular subject that you like and 14 verses that speak on that subject that you just don't agree with, and you rely on those three, you're not being biblical, all right? That would be the same as someone saying, well, I'll just cross those sections out. Okay? And so it's important to have a big picture understanding, or at least be striving toward a big picture understanding in how the whole of Scripture fits together. And knowing a particular verse or a lot of verses is really important. But the Bible says that all Scripture is profitable. That means every individual Scripture and all of it together, okay? Like whole chapters and, and whole books and the whole book itself, all right? The whole book, the whole, whole of Scripture has a message. Each book has a message, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, John, Acts. Each chapter or segment therein 
has particular messages, and in each verse has, has a particular point, even down to each word. All right? And it's, not, it's just not good enough. I'm sorry. You know, it's, 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 you're only in part if you know this verse and that verse and that verse. I mean, that's a good start. But our goal is to have an understanding of, of as much as we can and how it all fits together. And then stay humble and realize we'll never know it all. All right? And so as best as I can tell, this is how I see Scripture deals with this subject. But I'm not, you know, I'm sure I can, I can still learn on everything. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so the whole of Scripture is profitable. And our understanding of each and every verse must be consistent with our understanding of the meaning and purpose of the whole, of whole chapters, of whole books, and whole Scriptures. Um, in one sense, it sounds complicated, as well, and in one sense, it does take many, many years of study to, to learn Scripture. But in an, there's another balance to that, and Hebrews 11 says it really well. It says, Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand. Alright? Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, even by uh, even our understanding doesn't come merely through this complicated process of study and and learning. I mean that's that's a part of it. Ultimately, it's dependent. Even our understanding is dependent on faith and grasping what God says and God presents in Scripture as being true because of our relationship with Him. Does that does that make sense? One of the men that I met, I knew years and years ago, knew Scripture better than anyone I'd ever, ever met. He could quote every verse in the Bible in multiple languages. If I, if I, I mentioned a verse, he could tell me it in German, in Latin, in Greek. <clears throat> Any word, he could break down exactly what it meant. Gave me, you know, would, would explain the, the, the transition of the language and the interpretation, how it went through the years. But in the end, he did not believe that Jesus was God. And I would argue with him. And I was just a college kid. <laughs> Trying my best. <laughs> you know? And so just knowledge in and of itself doesn't lead to salvation. He was, he was learned, but he had no faith. He denied the power. He didn't believe in miracles. And, and, and used all that knowledge to prove that Miracles were not possible. You know, why he thought the Bible is still beyond me. <laughs> I wasn't a scientist. So here we go. Here's some basics about the New Testament. One, the, uh, just launching off is that the comparison between the Old Testament or the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what a lot of people um, do, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you just turn to that, that part in the Bible where the Old Testament ends, Right? And the New Testament begins. And a lot of Bibles will put, you know, a, a page or a, a whole section in between. And if, if there's a page that doesn't have Scripture on it, why don't you just tear that right out? No, not really. But this is one of the things that I really get upset about. <clears throat> is that people think the Old Testament doesn't apply anymore and we can just rip that out and throw it away. Right? 
And that, oh, now is the New Testament. Oh, that's an old, so I don't understand that's history, that's confusing. Oh, the New Testament, I can understand this. This is, this is written, uh, this, this, mean, this, this is valid today. That was valid in the past. That, what I just said, is not valid ever. Okay? Because <laughs> Jesus said not one, what, jot or tittle, whatever those are. Right? Not one little mark of God's Word is going to pass away. All right, and, and it embodies Jesus. You know, Jesus is the main character, not just of the New Testament. Jesus is the main character of the whole Bible. Okay, Jesus is the main character of every book of the Bible, and Jesus is the main character of every chapter in the Bible. All right, it's all about the Christ and the kingdom of God. Um, now we get it is more understandable generally the New Testament one because it happened more recently compared to the Old Testament, but it's one book. Everybody say one book, one story, one purpose. All right, and and we've been inundated through this idea that there were two separate plans of God that was made up, in. You know, that was actually just an invented way to try to deal with some things some people didn't understand. There were never two purposes of God. There's always been one purpose of God. From the garden, he said it. All right? The purpose of the coming Messiah. He explained it all the way through the Old Testament. And, and I think it's just amazing that God took thousands of years and created a whole nation to tell his story. You know, this is not a myth that just somebody invented. Because we have, we have thousands of years of history that back up everything that's presented. And it's the same story from beginning to end. And it's the story of our Lord Jesus Christ and those who uh, have relationship with Him through faith, whether they lived in, in Israel or uh, thousands of years ago or whether you live today. It's your relationship uh, through faith in, in the Messiah. All right, so it's one. The Old Testament does not replace the, or the New Testament does not replace the Old Testament. It completes it. That's what Jesus meant when it says it fulfills. It's the fulfillment of. It's it's the coming to completion. Okay. Without the Old Testament, we wouldn't have the New Testament, and without the Old Testament, we wouldn't understand the New Testament. All right, because uh, for the the early church. They preached from the Old Testament. All right, the early church was completely. That's what that was their scripture. That's what they gave themselves to study, and they would learn. They would see how Christ was represented, and from that we get the teachings of the apostles and, and Paul that that were then recorded. That we have the New Testament. So whatever. Um, you believe regarding any aspect or any teaching from the Bible, you have to incorporate all that the Bible says about a particular topic. All right? You can't pick, like, well, the New Testament talks about this particular issue in this way, and so whatever the Old Testament says doesn't count anymore. No. It's the same God. He, he hasn't changed His mind. We have to have a comprehensive understanding of how God feels about whatever particular issue. Now, are there changes? Yes. We can eat pork. I, I thought that would be funny. <laughs> how many say amen? We can have bacon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> 
We can eat bacon. You know, but even understanding, well, why can we eat bacon? And why is it okay now when it wasn't before Christ? Why is that? Well, you should be able to have at least some form of answer other than, oh, that's because the Old Testament doesn't count anymore. It does count. It's very important. It's part of the, it's part of the story. How does that fit into the story of Jesus Christ? Okay, well, I try to explain the, the Bible when I um, meet with a, uh, someone that's uh, not familiar with it. Is I, I, I do. I break it down. I say this is the Old Testament. Most people in, in, out, that were not raised in church, even most that were, actually have never actually read the Bible. And I'll open it up and I'll say, okay, this is Matthew. All that before is, that's just a record of how God interacted with people before Jesus came. And this here is after Jesus. You've heard of Jesus, you know, Christmas. Jesus, uh, he lived about 2,000 years ago, and this is what was written after Jesus lived. And I've had people, many people go, wow, I always wondered what the difference was. And it's just recently I was talking to someone, uh, uh, and I mentioned, you know, uh, something to do with the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they were like, wait, 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 wait. I thought they were two separate books. I'm like, well, no, they're just two separate sections of one book. Really? You know, and they really don't know. They don't. A lot of people don't have an understanding of some of the big picture basics of um, of the of the Bible. The Old Testament is God's interaction up until the coming of the Messiah, and everything in it points to the coming of the Messiah. The New Testament is the story of God's interaction with His people from the point of of the Messiah having come onward till now. Does that make sense? But it's the same story uh, fulfilled. Uh, through Christ, the same promises. God is keeping every one of His promises and He's doing it through the person uh, and the work of Jesus Christ. Alright, <clears throat> let's uh, keep going. Also, remember that the Bible is not a history book about what God used to do. Alright, it's a textbook about how God works in the lives of individuals. Alright, it's a textbook. It's, how, it's, what we, it's how we can learn how God works now. Um, the geography of the New Testament is a little different than the Old Testament, not, uh, not too much, but uh, Graham showed you maps. You know, a lot of the Old Testament took place in Babylon and Palestine, which is now what we call Israel, and where, where they're constantly fighting, right? And then uh, down into Egypt and the Exodus from Egypt back up into Palestine. The New Testament <clears throat> takes place primarily in the palace in Palestine and what is now Israel and that region and northward okay it goes up into northern Palestine and then uh, uh, they cross into Paul through his missionary journeys crosses into Europe and the gospel spreads throughout most of uh, the southern Europe all the way over to Rome <clears throat> and so the geography is a little different the timeline is also quite different the old testament spanned uh, an era, I mean, it really from creation all the way up to uh, Malachi, which was just a few hundred years before Jesus Christ. So that, that amount of time is significant. And, and the literal stories span thousands of years. And it was written, the literal written documents were written over a span of a thousand years by many, many authors, where the New Testament was actually written rather in a rather short time, in a, in a time period of, of probably just over 50 years. Uh, that it was recorded. Pretty much all scholars believe that everything written in the New Testament was completely finished, not only finished, but acknowledged as Scripture by about 100 A.D. 
All right, acknowledged as authoritative by 100 A.D. <clears throat> and then there's so much historical data in the Gospels, in Acts, literal cities, names of people, names of places, that we can find record of it in other documents and, and geographical, uh, uh, not geographical, but archaeological finds. There's just tons of information. In fact, the um, <clears throat> New Testament especially is the most accurate. We have more information concerning the New Testament than any historical document uh, except the documents from the modern time, any pre-modern time historical documents. We have more proof that Matthew is accurate than we do that Shakespeare is accurate. Okay? Like a multitude. And so it's extremely accurate. Anyone who says something like, oh, the Bible was written hundreds of years after Jesus lived, it was invented by men so that the church could have control over people, it's just nonsense. Okay? That's like saying the world is flat. Like they may really believe that, and you have to try to be respectful, but it has absolutely no basis in reality. We have pieces, we have scra- we have pieces of documents going back to the early centuries of Scripture that is is exactly the way we have it re- uh, recorded today. So, it, and you can do lots and lots of study con- uh, concerning that, but it is the uh, <clears throat> it is one of the most uh, verified. Uh, documents of all time, one of the most thoroughly studied of all time. Experts have been studying it in depth for centuries. And that means we can have confidence in it. And the, the New Testament is, is broken up very simply, really, <clears throat> kind of like an overall outline of the New Testament. It begins with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, and we're going to talk a little bit about those today. And then there's uh, the book called Acts. And that's actually the title is The Acts of the Apostles. And so it's the story of uh, the beginning of the church and those people who believe and have faith in the Messiah and how uh, the church expands and unfolds during that first century. It's a really exciting story and, and it includes the story of uh, Paul and his missionary trips. And that's what we're going to look at the next time I speak in a couple of weeks. After that, <clears throat> there's a section of Paul's epistles. And the epistles actually are not the wives of the apostles. (laughs) All right, the epistles is just simply an old-fashioned word for letters. And so it's Paul's writings. uh, consists of a a large portion of the New Testament. And then you have what's called the general epistles, which are um, other writings by uh, church leaders. Here's a real easy way to know if something's written by Paul or if something's written by someone else. Everything written by Paul is titled with a geographical place, like Romans or Galatians or Ephesus, okay? Because it was a letter to that place. Everything written by other people is, is titled by the name of the person that wrote it, like Peter and James. Huh? Oh, Timothy and Titus. You're right. Written to a person or a place. Someone told me that. I read that somewhere. Oh, well. Accepting the pastoral epistles. How's that? (laughs) Huh? Just start with letter T. There you go. (laughs) Uh, We'll get into that when we go through Paul's epistles. Uh, and and, and kind of, well, my hope is to talk through Acts and how all of the epistles kind of fit into the story of his travel. 
And then you have uh, uh, the general epistles was written by James and Peter and, uh, and Jude. And, uh, you know, those are epistles written by others than Paul. And then it concludes with the book of Revelation, which is a record of the vision that the Apostle John saw uh, concerning um, the unfolding of the kingdom of God. Okay, let's jump into what the Gospels are. One thing is, is this the very word itself is kind of confusing because we use the Gospel... Uh, the word gospel uh, to mean a couple of different things. It means the story of Jesus Christ, which uh, these books record, but it also is the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's what we preach. We preach the gospel, but it also refers to the four separate accounts. Um, <clears throat> these books, a fourfold witness, which is how it's been known since the early 2nd century. It was a fourfold witness, often compared to the four winds, you know, from the four directions. That it was, these were recognized, uh, like, certainly by the early 100s, okay, as being the authority. They were referred to as one book, even though each of them were written and used in particular different areas. They were very soon gathered together into one collection um, as the authoritative understanding of of the story of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and um, the fact that there's there's more than one account actually makes it more valid, all right? Because we have four different perspectives. And God uses the personality of the individual author to influence or to be reflected in His Word. And so the fact that we have four different viewpoints makes it more understandable. It doesn't diminish the value. It doesn't lead to contradictions. It just means that we can see the same event happening from four different points of view. <clears throat> and the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels. Synop- Everybody say Synoptic. This is something every Christian should understand. And it's, the reason it's, the term synoptic is, it means a couple of things. One, they're very similar, but they're probably, uh, they very likely are um, put together from one original document, document, most likely the book of Mark. This, many scholars believe it was Mark that was written first, and then uh, Matthew and Luke used Mark as a reference to uh, write their Gospels that would include other portions or in different orders to emphasize different things. Let me put up that diagram. Did you get it? Yeah, there you go. If you look at here, <clears throat> this is a breakdown of uh, what's in each book. And the top one is Mark. And the brown uh, portion, 3% of Mark, is unique to Mark. Okay? 76% uh, of Mark is found in both Luke and Matthew, all right? And then almost all of Mark is found in Matthew, and, and, and Mark and Luke share a, a large percentage. So Mark, all but 30-some verses of Mark is in the other Gospels, all right? So that's why most scholars think that they probably had him to work from because they quote Mark verbatim in some areas or almost verbatim. But it's not for sure because it could be that uh, initially when the gospel was being preached and the apostles were teaching, they were teaching from memory. They were telling stories. They were, and listen, this, this exploded. 
right? Uh, the gospel just exploded, and so all of the apostles are preaching not to five or ten, but to hundreds and thousands and telling these stories. And, and this, there's no doubt all of these people knew Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, most of them, knew at least Greek and Latin, and then the Jewish people knew the Hebrew as well and Aramaic. And so they would write this stuff down. <clears throat> and so the records were, were kept, and there was an orderly account, and they were compiled. Uh, Mark particularly uh, puts it in, a, in order. <clears throat> and a couple of other things to understand about first century writing, because if you read the Gospels, you'll find that things are in different order. It was not, okay, when we write something today, if you're reading a newspaper story, you expect things to be written in the order that they occurred, right? Because that's the right way to do it for an American in the 20 and 21st century. But in the first century, the right way to record a historical uh, event was by theme, a thematic presentation of the information. And so each one of these books presents the gospel story emphasizing a different theme. And so they intentionally order the book to reflect the theme that they want to communicate. That was the right way to, to write in the first century. And so just knowing that in and of itself answers a lot of what appears to be contradictions or disagreements within the uh, gospel narratives because one gospel will leave something out because it doesn't fit into the theme. Matthew's theme was presenting Christ as the coming Messiah, okay, the kingly Messiah. And so Matthew ties together the Old Testament and New Testament and his primary, he quotes more Old Testament scripture than any of the other gospels because Matthew, he was the tax collector. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was, a, uh, he knew the Jews. So this was written to co- connect the Old Testament with the new. And so he presented the order in a very thought. There's actually, I think, five discourses within Matthew. You can break it up into separate sections. And he goes through and it proves how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. But Mark's Mark's goal was something different. Mark wanted to represent a different aspect of Jesus Christ. Jesus as the servant, as the one who came to serve mankind. And Mark has more uh, miracles. It it's really has the theme of power. And he's always, immediately this happened, and immediately that happened, and, and there's lots of miracles. Let me read something that was <clears throat> written by uh, one of the early church fathers. And um, the people that we call church fathers were respected pastors and leaders in the early church, not, uh, not on, on the level of, of those who wrote Scripture, but people that we highly respect. And this guy was uh, Papias, and he lived uh, around uh, the early 100s. This was probably written around 140, concerning Mark. So there's a very good chance that this guy knew someone that knew Mark. All right? That's how close they overlap. And he writes this. We have this in the historical records. Mark, who was the interpreter of Peter wrote down accurately all that he remembered, whether of the sayings or doing of Christ, but not in order, for he was neither a hearer nor a companion of the Lord. But afterward, as I have said, he accompanied Peter, who adapted his instructions as necessity required, not as though he were making a compilation of the Lord's oracles. So then Mark made no mistake when he wrote down some things as he remembered them. 
For he concentrated on this alone, not to omit anything that he had heard, nor to include any false statements among them. So to have an opinion of someone so closely related in time uh, and culture to the original author, understanding what Mark's purpose, and understanding that Mark wasn't one of the... He wasn't with Jesus. He was Peter's assistant. Just opens up Mark. You understand Mark in a whole new way when you read that, thinking that he spent most of his life... Uh, being, he knew Paul, but he spent most of his time with Peter. And in Luke, was just the opposite. Luke was a Gentile, as far as we know. <clears throat> and so a Gentile actually having written part of Scripture in and of itself is radical. All right? And Luke was tutored under Paul. Uh, Paul speaks of Luke all the way through uh, the book of Acts. It's one of his closest companions. And so uh, Luke uh, learned all of the information, and Luke wrote both uh, uh, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And you can, as you're going through Acts, you can actually tell when he's with the group and when he's not, because certain parts of Acts is, is recorded in first per- person and certain parts aren't. Okay, and so you can tell where he was along with the ride and when he wasn't, when he was just recording. So these kinds of things, for me, um, just open up and give a lot more information or a lot more context um, concerning the New Testament and how we understand it. The Synoptic Gospels are very related. They overlap a lot. But the Gospel of John is uh, is significantly different and unique. There's a few reasons for that. One, John's writing style is completely different. All right? Partly, it's because John wrote his gospel the latest. It was probably written around 90 A.D. So that means that all of the other gospels were not, all, all, not only already written, but were already acknowledged and very well known. They could have been around for 30 or 40 years. So why would, Paul, why would John write another gospel? Maybe to tell the story from a different point of view, bringing out aspects that the other Gospels didn't include. All right? And so you have like John's, it's the, it's the capstone. All right? And he's writing it from a totally different perspective. Read just the first couple of verses of each one of the Gospels and how radically different they are. You know, Matthew starts out with the genealogy of Jesus going back to Abraham. John starts out, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. And it skips the whole Old Testament. Right? And gets, yeah, it just goes right from creation to Christ. And so there's a huge difference between John's understanding, uh, not John's understanding, but John's presentation of the very same story. All four Gospels present the same story, and that's the story of the life of Jesus Christ. His birth, His teachings, His miracles. You know, two of the Gospels don't include His birth. They don't say anything about Him. They start out when He was already an adult. But we, we, from the other Gospels, we learn stories of, of his, his origin, His teachings, His miracles, but all of them culminate in the story of His uh, crucifixion. Because that was the purpose for which He came. And John ends his Gospel with these verses. He says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, um, truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. And so the purpose of Scripture, especially the New Testament, but really of all Scripture, is to bring you as an individual into the place, or anyone who reads it, to the place of faith, of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The purpose is not to answer all of our questions. Using the Bible to answer scientific questions is inappropriate. The Bible speaks into our scientific understanding and has a lot to say about that. But that's not the purpose for which it was written. We must differentiate. What is it? It only tells. The Bible communicates what we need to know so that we can come into a relationship with Jesus so that we can spend eternity with Him. And there's vast amounts of information that's not included in the Bible because it doesn't fit under that purpose. All right? and that God could condense the meaning of the universe and the purpose of every individual's life into one little volume in and of itself, I find, to be uh, really amazing. <clears throat> All right, so the Old Testament... I know I'm going over a few minutes, but deal with it. <laughs> I like this. The Old Testament starts out with the first five books, the Torah, right? And then and ends with the uh, people of God at the border of the promised land. Well, in a sense, the Gospels are like the Torah, okay? Because they end with Jesus Christ crucified and risen again, commissioning His disciples to go out into all the world. And so you have, at the same thing, the, the followers of God are now at the threshold of going into a new kingdom. But this is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a part that we'll talk about in a few weeks. God bless you. Uh, She's going to come up and have some uh, announcements. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron.